Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Well, of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. programs and welcome back to another edition of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and my name is derek diamond feels like we haven't been here in like six months yeah i was just we were talking about this before we started it feels like forever since (laughs) we've done a live episode of the show i know it's only been i think actually it might have been close to a month because we took last week off Mm -hmm. the week before we did, um, what do we do for a show? Yeah, Halloween episodes. We did the Halloween episodes, yeah, and those were pre-recorded. So I think it might have been uh, the week before that. So wait, but no. But it feels like a lot longer. We did, uh, last week was our was the the, TM, the Ninja Turtle Roundtable. The week before mm-hmm. that, I think, was, um, what did I review? Oh, yeah, Sonic Spinball. But we didn't yep. do it live. And then the one before that was the Halloween episode. So it's been about a month since we've done a, a real actual live show. And actually, shout out to Mixmaster in the chat room. He is on episode 81. Wow. And is still catching up. <laughs> but I, it's, it's cool to go back and listen to, you know, now I'm not saying this just because it's our show, but it's cool to go back and listen to backlogs of old shows just oh, to... Yeah. See the progression. I like to think this show is kind of evergreen, other than the, uh, the the news segments. You know, the review segments still hold up. And our rants. Yeah, that too. <laughs> We've got quite a few viewers <laughs> at Twitch tonight, so thank you guys for joining us here tonight. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, so we're happy Derek, to have us back. How has your, uh, your last couple of weeks been? I know we've, uh, we've both been kind of busy. Yeah, we've actually seen each other in person mm-hmm. a couple of times during this little hiatus, which is kind of a rare thing. I know oh, you've I, been doing your... Oh, go I, ahead. I have a, a a little story that I for, I wanted to save for the show about what happened after we parted ways the night that I saw you. I went on an adventure. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but for me, not too much. Um, I did go to the Kite Film Fest in Destin, Florida, uh, two weekends ago, my film The Parker Syndrome. I uh, played there, along with along with some other really cool films, and really other than that, just been doing the podcasting thing. I've almost got everything planned for like the rest of the year for my solo show, and then planning what I think is going to be a really fun film screening. But I'm going to. Save the details of that for the end of the show. Yeah, we got a couple of things we have to announce coming up in December. That uh, if any of you want to see our ugly mugs live and in person, you'll get a couple of chances to. So stick around to the end of the show, and we'll tell you where you can see us. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did a show. um, Actually, what was it, like a a week ago or two weeks ago? I don't even know now. Like, the past couple of weeks are such a blur. Uh, the one in the one here was um, not this past Sunday, but the one okay. before, so a little over a week ago. Yeah, so uh, I went to Pensacola to do a a comedy show um, at O'Re- O'Reilly's downtown, 
And yep. that is on, uh, what's the name of that street? That Palafox on? Street. Palafox Street. When we parked the car, when we got there earlier in the evening, we parked in pretty much the only spot we could find because there were lots of cars and people downtown. What we didn't see were the signs saying that that section of the block was going to be shut down later that night for construction. Oh, and no. we got back to the car <laughs> at 11 o'clock, and it was like, where's the car? Where's your car, dude? Dude, where's your car? Where's your car, dude? <laughs> yeah, the car got towed. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, no. So it cost $145 to get the car back. That sucks. Yeah. We parked on the one square block of Palafox Street that was being worked on that night. There was 10 other cars that got towed, too, because none of us saw the sign that was sitting there that said there was going to be construction that night. So, yeah, a lot of people got their car towed, which I was expecting to be back home roughly 1230 that night mm-hmm. because I had to be at work at 7 o'clock the next morning. Yeah, I didn't get home till after 2.30, almost 3 oh, o'clock shit. in the morning. <laughs> that sucks. So Monday sucked. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, that was fun. Oh, you did a good job of concealing that because I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Uh, it was like, <sighs> luckily we could get the car back because I had ridden over there with uh, one of the other comedians, Jacob. Um, and he's younger, mm-hmm. and uh, we, his mom uh, goes with us too when we go over there. She's really cool, uh, Suzanne Craig. And uh, it was her car we were using because she's got like a nice big roomy um Shit, I forgot what kind of car it was, but it's like a SUV, you know, a nice big roomy SUV. And uh, yeah, her car got towed. And I was like, yeah, if, uh, if we can't get the car back, I can call Derek. We can crash at his house till the morning. <laughs> we can yeah. get the car back. <laughs> Ugh, what a crap night. That was awful. We just started well, walking. It was like, yeah, I don't think we parked this far down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's I've had something similar happen to me um, a couple of years ago. It was actually during Pensacon weekend. Um, I had gotten uh, I parked somewhere that was going to be blocked off for construction, and I walk out of um, there was a, a there was a nightclub not too far from the base center that I went to, and when I walked out, I was like, "Oh, that looks a lot like my car getting towed." Hmm. Holy shit, that is my car getting towed. <laughs> Yeah. So but... I had I had to ride with the guy to the lot, then pay him, and then got my car back. You probably went to the same lot we got towed to, which was a couple of miles away. And uh, yeah, yeah, that was in a pretty sketchy part of town that we did not want to stay in too long. There's there's three different sides to Pensacola. There's the north area, which is around where I live. Where you have like the mall, you have a lot of places to eat, mm-hmm. you have downtown, which you've seen, and then you have the rest of Pensacola, and it's <laughs> not great. Well, I definitely got to experience the rest of Pensacola for an hour <laughs> or two <laughs> that night. <laughs> but I had fun Yeah, you at don't want to be out there that late. Yeah, we got, I finally got to meet uh, Brandon Rutledge, too, one of our uh, hardcore yep. listeners. Uh, I want to shout out to Brandon. He uh, he came out to watch comedy and uh, 
Uh, he's, uh, I, I don't know if he enjoyed some of the comics that were there that night. <laughs> they were a little, uh, a little blue and, uh, yeah. I don't think Brandon likes the, uh, the blue comedy, <laughs> <laughs> but he was a good sport about it. So, uh, it was nice to meet him finally in person. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I completely forgot to mention, um, I went on vacation to Nashville. Yeah. I'll talk about that too. Yeah, I'll, I'll just go through real quick. So I, normally around this time, you know, every year, the last couple of years, I decide to go on a just like a little mini vacation just to kind of get away for a few days. And I chose Nashville and it was nuts the last day that I was there. So the primary reason I went is because I've been wanting to see an AEW show. Yeah. And and they were in Nashville. So I thought, yeah, I've been to Nashville before, but. I went when I was like eight or nine years old, so I could experience it as an adult. So I drove up. Actually, um, I left the comedy show a little bit early because I had to wake up at like I left at like six thirty or seven in the morning because uh, it was like a six and a half hour drive. Well, I'm glad I didn't have to call you to come back to get us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would have done it had you called me, but. Uh, that that whole situation close. is just crazy. I was this close to me, like I don't know what to do. I guess I'll call Derek. <laughs> no, I still would have came out and helped you, but that that's just that's just nuts. But Nashville was a lot of fun, uh, and the AEW show was great. Um, people it didn't really get full until right as the show was starting, because they had it was in this place called the Nashville Municipal Auditorium. And you just go through these, you know, normal glass doors, but they have like five rows of glass doors to walk into the auditorium and they only had two of them open. (laughs) And then they finally decide, oh, we're going to open two more. And then (laughs) traffic went in a lot better that way. Good job, guys. Yeah. But the show was really fun. I got back uh, Thursday afternoon around like three o'clock and then. Watch the Mandalorian, which yes. was great. We need to have a long, long discussion about the Mandalorian. Oh, but we will so on good. this week's episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. So good. I can't wait yeah. to talk about it. I had the ending spoiled for me, and yeah. I was pissed. I uh, I went ahead and, and wrote something on uh, Facebook the other day. I don't know if you saw it, but it was pretty much a spoiler. And I was like, you know what? It's already spoiled for everybody, so I'm just going to throw my two cents in. I didn't see yours, so I'm not going to blame you for it. But literally what happened was someone took, a, like, obviously took a photo of their um, TV watching The Mandalorian. And they took a photo of one of the last shots of the movie. We'll, we'll call it the reveal. Mm-hmm. And they just posted it on their story. Why would you do that? That makes because me angry. Because people suck. If I like this is going to sound really douchey of me and I would not do it because I'm not that big of a jerk. But part of me would want to just take screen caps of like the last 15 minutes of Rise of Skywalker and just blow up their inbox with them. Yeah. But I wouldn't do that. Oh, so Mixmaster apparently hasn't seen uh, hasn't seen the Mandalorian yet. Dude, you need to get on that. Go get your seven day free trial of Disney Plus and watch the first two episodes. Oh, Disney Plus has been well worth the the price, dude. I've been watching. I've been all watching. Kind of stuff. Oh, go ahead. I, I watched Home Alone one and two. <laughs> oh, those night. are great. 
I've been watching a lot of the old 90s animated shows. Like, I've watched mm-hmm. some Darkwing Duck, uh, Gargoyles, and right now I'm watching the 90s Spider-Man. Dude, they got the X-Men on there, too, the 90s uh, X-Men oh. series. I, I'm I'm waiting to start that over the, uh, the Thanksgiving break. That intro to that show is just oh, so, so freaking good. great. One of the best, like, intro music of any TV show ever. There were so many great intros during that time because like those the shows that i just mentioned all have fantastic openings you know the the spider-man the 90s one the song was written and performed by joe perry from aerosmith really i did not know mm-hmm. that man yep. we, the 90s were awesome we need to go back to the yep. 90s well, i miss the 90s oh uh, since next year is 2020 i've got an idea for um for my podcast for once a month to feature some type of like 90s pop culture, like do a round table on a TV show or a movie specifically from the 90s. Yeah, we should do that. Celebrate for 30 too. years of the 90s. <clears throat> Maybe uh, starting 2020, we should go ahead and just uh, say the 80s. We're done with the 80s era of video games. Maybe we should move into all 90s because we've covered a lot of 80s games at this point, And I'm getting pretty low <laughs> on the stuff that I actually want to do from the 80s. So that might be a good idea. The only issue with that is most everything that I've covered has been from the 90s. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we'll we'll get that figured out. I'm going to start scraping the bottom of the barrel of uh, Nintendo games to hit up. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, there, there's still some good ones. So Yeah, there well, are. I, I feel confident that we'll get it figured out. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to move into the news for tonight. Yes, sir. All right, so this is a story that I've been waiting and waiting to talk about on the podcast. Uh, This comes to us from CBR.com. The original article comes from CBR.com. Sonic redesign boosts positive trailer reactions at a huge cost. So months ago, the director for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie came out and said, hey, we're listening to your demands and we're going to redesign sonic well last week they just randomly decided we're going to drop the new trailer because i was actually in nashville when it happened i woke up and i saw that it was just on facebook like oh new sonic trailers like oh i'll actually get to see the official redesign and i'm not gonna lie i've kind of done a complete 180 Uh on this movie (laughs) But the the initial article says, when the initial trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog dropped, fans were none too pleased with the design of the Cobalt Speedster. Now, with the release of the new trailer, reactions are much more positive, but how much did that redesign cost? Social Films reports that the remodeled trailer generated 360% more likes in the first 24 hours alone. When the trailer for the Sonic movie first dropped in April, it received 225,683 dislikes compared to just over 146,000 likes in the 24 hours. The new trailer's dislikes dropped a staggering 98%, with most comments on the new design being positive. Now, it also says here, it's estimated that Sonic's redesign cost Paramount Pictures $2.15 million for the trailer, but for the whole movie, redesigning Sonic is estimated to cost around $35 million. 
But in a follow-up, which was on AnimeMojo.com, uh, it says here many movies or many made claims that the redesign cost upwards of thirty-five million. However, a new report by IndieWire has revealed it to be only five million. Basically, what happened was the only visual effect shots that were completely finished were the ones from that original trailer. Well, so the redesign much, didn't need as much work as what we previously thought. I have a conspiracy theory that this Sonic design was the original design and mm -hmm. the director, you know, they had gotten basically uh, anybody that's ever like been in the entertainment industry, you get notes from executives and stuff and, executives thought he should be i'm thinking there was some executives that wanted him to be more you know like like i guess uh, i don't know what's the word i'm looking for like you know like modern and he looked almost like a hybrid between a human and a hedgehog yeah and i think this was the original design so they put out that original trailer like the director so that people could see the crap design hoping that people would hate it and they'd have to go back to the original design and yeah. that's why it only cost, you know, $5 million to do because that all the framework was already there. Well, and like I said before, well, there are a lot of people who agree with that conspiracy theory. And plus, which it generated I, I could, a lot of buzz for the it. movie, too, you know? Yeah. But I will say with this new trailer, I'm actually looking forward to it now. And oh, yeah. in a way, you kind of. A couple of weeks ago, on one of our last shows we did, you kind of gave me a different perspective on the movie that maybe I was taking it a bit too seriously. It looks like a fun movie. Mm -hmm. Like, even the, the tone of the movie felt completely different than that original trailer. Yeah. And I'm really, really excited about it. I mean, you get to see glimpses of, you know, Green Hill Zone in live action there's more comedy that's actually funny. Yeah. And you get to, it really shows off Sonic speed as well as some of his powers that he has. And yeah. I will still say, because there was that shot at the end of the original trailer of Jim Carrey's Robotnik, you know, having the bald head and the huge mustache, and you can see giant mushrooms in the background. Mm -hmm. The scene at the end of the new trailer, when Sonic's running along what looks like the Great Wall of China, I have little to no doubt that Sonic's going to transport himself back to his planet. Robotnik will follow him, and that transitioning from dimensions will cause his appearance to change. Oh, yeah. That, I'm, I, I can go along with that. This is just a much better, better cut trailer. Um, mm -hmm. Sonic was way more humorous and... Uh, I don't know. It just it felt like um, him and James Marsden had a little bit better, um, like back and forth, and mm -hmm. and the G, G, um, you know the Jim Carrey scenes were a lot more uh, like light and and funny and just it felt like Jim Carrey. Yeah, exactly. It it the first trailer seemed too I don't know dark and. Like they were trying to take it a little too like seriously, but it looked goofy. I don't know. It just felt wrong. But this trailer actually got me excited for the movie. I was like, this feels like it's going to be like this feels right. Like this, I feel like the movie's going to be much better. 
Well, and when they cast Jim Carrey, my thought was he was going to play the goofier, over-the-top Dr. Robotnik because there's been a few different incarnations of him throughout the comics, uh, the games, and the animated series. The more modern take on him is being goofy and over-the-top, which when they cast Jim Carrey, I said I would bet pretty much everything that I have that that's the incarnation that he's going to play. I would not have cast him if they wanted to go with the darker Robotnik route. Yeah. But... I'll definitely be there when it comes out um, and now actually feeling, you know, feeling much better about it. And I I will say this, I will, if the conspiracy theory is not a thing, I give full props to Paramount for listening to the fans. Yeah, Uh, and it just looks so much better. Like, just the look of Sonic alone makes me want to go see the movie. Yeah. Uh, Mixmaster in the chat says he thought Jim Carrey was a good pick and Dumb and Dumber is the best comedy ever. (laughs) I wouldn't say it's the best comedy ever, but it's up there. As far as Jim Carrey movies, that's got to be, I'd say, at least top three. Yeah, but I I still say I I like Ace Ventura. Uh, uh, Ace Ventura is still my absolute favorite. I think no, Ace Ventura Two is my absolute favorite. Ace Ventura Two is better than one. In my oh, opinion. it's much better than one. Yeah, <laughs> really. Hey, hello, it's doggy. funny because we'd all be different. Mine's the mask. Yeah, I like the mask too. Forgot about that. Oh man, I heard. I saw a rumor the other day that they're uh, talking to Jim Carrey about doing a true mask sequel. I saw that too, and I would go that see happens. it in a heartbeat. Yes, I would. And that soundtrack is so freaking good. You should look up the soundtrack to the mask afterwards. If you're if you're a fan of like the the Cuban jazzy mm-hmm. type music, it's great. Oh, I love that soundtrack. <clears throat> it's got a uh, big bad voodoo daddy on it. Mm-hmm. That's so yep. good. Uh on to our oh, next man. story. Uh this is from NintendoLife.com. And I knew this was gonna happen sooner or later, but Nintendo 64 sales have seen a dramatic rise on eBay this year. Uh eBay has released its most wanted holiday shopping guide highlighting the most popular products that are trending in shoppers' wish lists. Surprisingly, the 23-year-old Nintendo 64 seems to be having something of a resurgence. In a press release covering some additional insights from the guide, it has been revealed that sales for the Nintendo Switch and Nintendo 64 averaged two per minute on eBay in September, just as Nintendo was celebrating its 130th anniversary. N64 consoles actually saw a spike of 205% year-on-year, indicating that there are more than a few people out there looking to reminisce on old times. So what do you think? Uh, I told you that that, uh, it's going to start getting to the point where Nintendo 64 and uh, GameCube are going to start being the the consoles to collect for. Yeah, it's just a natural progression. Mm -hmm. You know, a few years ago, NES and Super NES were the things to get What's going to make me really feel old is when the Wii is looked at as a a retro console. Like then I I might as well just retire from life. But um, (laughs) I'm actually the real real reason I'm glad this is happening is so now maybe prices will start going down on Nintendo games and I can actually get some of the stuff that I still want (laughs) for way cheaper than what they're going for now. Yeah, that's kind of how I look at it for Super Nintendo as well. Mm Mm-hmm. But I, I'm it's cool to see because, you know, it's just a natural time frame because 
people who played the N64 back when they were kids, they're getting into the, you know, retro gaming collection. And for them, it's the Nintendo 64. So mm -hmm. it's just the natural progression of time. Yeah. That's pretty cool, though. I, I knew that uh, I had heard from some people that work at retro stores on some of the podcasts that I listen to, and uh, they say that the Nintendo 64 is a solid seller, especially since it's still you know, one of the best party consoles that you can get. I mean, you, you can instantly plug in uh, four controllers right into the console, and it's one of the few consoles you could actually do that. Yeah. I don't know. It's... And it's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know, over the next couple of years, you know, because is the GameCube then going to be the thing that's, you know, in high demand when it comes to retro gaming? I'm sure sooner or later it will be. Yeah. Let's see. Our next story comes to us from mentalfloss.com. That's a great name for a website. Mm -hmm. 11 great gifts for retro gaming fans. Video games are more realistic, expansive, and ambitious than ever, but there's one thing that most modern titles can't offer, a hit of nostalgia. If you're shopping for the retro gaming enthusiast in your life, check out these 11 gift suggestions that promise to level up their holiday season. And I'll just go through some of the highlights here. There's a Pac-Man ghost light table lamp, mm -hmm. which looks really cool. The Street Fighter II home arcade, which if I had the money, I would absolutely get that. <laughs> In a heartbeat. I want this Legend oh, of Zelda ugly Christmas sweater. Oh, the Zelda Christmas yeah. sweater looks great. I also <laughs> love the retro gaming socks, too. Oh, yeah, those are cool. Then there's the game console of photographic history from Atari to Xbox. PlayStation Wallet, which look it looks like it would be uncomfortable to put in your pocket. Yeah, it does. It, it's pretty cool, though. It looks like an actual little PlayStation console. Yes, yeah, so if you um, if you just go to mentalfloss.com, you can find some cool gift options for the retro gamer in your life. Yeah, you and just if anyone on. wants to buy us the <laughs> Street Fighter cabinet, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll take e we'll each take one. Thank you. No, oh, absolutely. I, I like this uh, Super Mario uh, Bowser versus Mario three pack diorama. Oh yeah, those look really cool. I've seen those in um in GameStop before. Those are pretty cool. Yeah, I don't think I would want that PlayStation wallet. That does look really uncomfortable. Yeah. See, when I see the the Mario uh versus Bowser deal, it makes me envious that I didn't have toys like that growing up, or at least I could never find them. Yeah. Oh, I would have totally played with that stuff when I was a kid. For sure. Uh, and the last uh, story we have for tonight is from GameSpot.com, and this is for the best Black Friday 2019 Nintendo Switch deals uh, and where you can find them. Um, let's see. As we head into the Black Friday frenzy, we're noticing Switch games and first-party controllers will be on sale for great prices we wouldn't normally expect on Black Friday, but hopefully there's a few console deals uh, let's see what they have available here. You're going to be able to get a Nintendo Switch bundle with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and a screen protector for $300 at Walmart and Target. Um, <clears throat> if you need a carrying case, uh, you can get those. Uh, uh, the carrying case, charging dock, and $90 cold cash. Um, 
so for $320. So if you, you can go get a Nintendo Switch, the carry case, the charging dock, and $90 in Kohl's cash for $320. Bucks. That's actually not bad. No, that's not bad at all. Uh, let's see. This Sorry, this site's uh, loading kind of slow here. Yeah, it's uh, doing that for me, too. Ooh, what happened? Yeah, I think a lot of people might be on this site right now for some reason. Because there was some other stuff I wanted to point out. Um, oh, yeah, have here, the Pokeball Plus uh, for $20. Yeah, you can get a Nintendo Switch Online 12-month subscription, which is normally $19.99. You can get it for 15 bucks at Target. Um, that's actually a really good deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, oh, yeah, Breath of the Wild is going to be available at Walmart for $30. Um, same with Mario Odyssey. Yeah, same with Mario Odyssey at Walmart and Mario Tennis Aces for thirty bucks. Uh, let's see, Splatoon two for thirty bucks at Walmart. Walmart's gonna have some pretty good prices on these games. So if you're looking to pick up, oh, Mario plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle for fifteen dollars at Walmart and Target. I am so going to get that. Yeah, that's nuts. I am going to pick that up. I've been wanting to get that. Like they, these are some really good deals. Octopath Travelers forty dollars. I've been wanting to get that. Yeah, me too. Uh, Diablo three Eternal Collections twenty five. There's some really good stuff in here. Yeah, I, I, I think I might have to go take a trip to Target on Black Friday so I can pick up a few of these things. Yes. But uh, but yeah, if you're interested in looking to see what's gonna all, gonna be all available, just head over to GameSpot.com, and uh, this should be right there on the front page, let you know where all the good Black Friday deals are gonna be for Nintendo Switch products. God, it's crazy to think that next week's gonna be Black Friday. I know, man, it's oh. insane. Uh, we got another. Uh, let's see, Ulnar. Uh, let's see, and. And the uh, chat room, and I don't know. Hey, Jay, fantastic ban narcissistic help stream. He's a troll. I don't know who that is. <laughs> okay, he hasn't commented. Uh uh-uh. uh, how do I? Well, we got nine viewers now, but we have Paxter81 well, coming at uh, Goldeneye. If he says anything, then I'll I'll ban him, but. He hasn't done anything. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anyway, let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. In November of 1980, Namco releases Rally X, the first game with a bonus round. It also features multi-directional scrolling. Rally X. Yeah, I remember this. I game. see the arcade cabinet. I see the tabletop. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not really familiar with this game. I'm not yeah. seeing any screen caps of any actual gameplay. I remember seeing this game a lot, especially the uh, the cocktail table. I used to mm-hmm. see that one around a lot, especially like in, uh, you'd see them at um, pizza parlors a lot back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Next up, also in November of 1980, Universal releases Space Panic, the first game with platforms and ladders. The term platform game was still several years in the future. Mm-hmm. 
Space so kind of the panic. predecessor. To... <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, space it looks panic. Um, I don't either. I I can definitely see the influence uh for Donkey Kong. Yeah, <laughs> it looks exactly like Donkey Kong. Yes, it does. Wow. 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 Yeah, it says here it's called the granddaddy of all platform games as it predates Nintendo's Donkey Kong, which came out in 1981. Oh, wow. So it's before Donkey Kong. So I guess mm -hmm. Nintendo was ripping somebody off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, November 14th of 1987, Sierra Online releases Space Quest II Vohal's Revenge, the second game in the, in the Space Quest series. Who would have guessed that? Yeah, it also says here it was the sequel to Space Quest One, the Sarian Encounter. Hmm. Who knew that this would be a sequel? Who knew? It, the logo or the the art makes me think of the show I used to watch on Nickelodeon back in the '90s called Space Cases. Dude, this it, looks like MST three thousand. It does. It reminds <laughs> me of that too. That's really interesting. Hmm. Somebody ripping somebody off. Yeah. Well, it says here a comic's included in the manual to explain to the player what events have occurred since Space Quest 1. So that was nice of them. We had a big dip in our uh, stream for the uh for Twitch. So sorry everybody if we if we cut out there for a second, but we are back. We're back online now. Sweet. Uh you got the That's, next one. Yep. In November of 1989, Nintendo sues Tengen over production of unlicensed Nintendo games. Tengen loses the lawsuit and recalls all its Tetris games. I remember this. Yeah, this is... That uh, sucks. There's a really good documentary about this by the Gaming Historian on YouTube. Uh, if you've ever never watched a Gaming Historian uh, video, he does really good work. You should go check out his, uh, his channel. Yeah, I've been meaning to. I, I've heard a lot about that channel, but mm -hmm. just never never looked at it. Uh, November of 1991, Nintendo releases Metroid 2 Return of Samus for the Game Boy in North America. And you, uh, we did this for Metroid Month. We did. Actually, really underrated game. I, I feel like it's overlooked because it was for the Game Boy. And plus, the original and Super Metroid just get so much praise that yeah. this one kind of flew under the radar, but... Really good Metroid game. I, I had a lot of fun going back and playing it. I'm still waiting on a Metroid game for the Switch. Where are you at, Nintendo? Come on. They need Stop to release a Metroid collection, then a yeah, new one. That would be awesome. I'd go for that. Absolutely. In November of 1993, Virgin Games and Disney Software released Disney's Aladdin for the Sega Genesis. It was crowned Genesis Game of the Year at the Electronic Gaming Awards voted on by the public. And if you're interested in getting Disney's Aladdin, they just put out that uh, limited limited run games. Just did an um, updated version of Disney's Aladdin and Lion King yep. available right now. So head over to, I think it's limitedrungames.com if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I reviewed the Super Nintendo version of this game, but I do want to go back and play the Genesis one at some point because everyone says the Genesis version is way better. That's what I've heard too. I think the Gen I think for the Super Nintendo when they took out the sword or something yeah. like that. That's weird. Because you throw apples as your weapon. Oh yeah, that's stupid. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sword. <laughs> Uh, and November 21st of 1994, Nintendo releases Rare's Donkey Kong Country for the Super Nintendo, featuring 3D pre-rendered graphics that also introduces Diddy Kong and King K. Rule. Such a good game. Yes, one of, is. if you have only 10 games in your Super Nintendo collection, mm-hmm. this is one. You know, I, I can remember, I think I've told this story a couple of times, but I'll tell it again. One of my highlights as a kid... I remember getting Nintendo Power in the mail every month. And I just so happened to get this VHS tape. The The cover looked like it was covered with the design of a tree. And it had Donkey Kong in the corner of it. And it was a behind-the-scenes look at the making of the original Donkey Kong Country. I wish you still had that. I do, too. I, the, the actual documentary is on YouTube. Because I, I went back and watched it. And it's so cheesy and so <laughs> bad. Yeah, but, but it's how cool great. It I'll, I'll still, send it to you after the show. How cool would it be to still have that VHS tape, though? How many people you think still have that? <sighs> I'm just going to keep kicking myself <laughs> if we don't move on. But yeah. uh, no, Donkey Kong Country is fantastic. And to close us out for this month in video game history, on November 23rd, 1994, Blizzard Entertainment releases the real-time strategy game Warcraft, which spawns a franchise and influences many later games you can say that again yeah i mean when you think of pc gaming and mmos it's it's tough not to name warcraft as the very top i have been really super uh interested in playing um world um wow classic because I mm-hmm. love World of Warcraft. But the bad thing is, if I do, you'll never see me again. Because I love that <laughs> game so much. So I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. No. So what you're saying is, I would have to probably host the show solo every week. Yeah, you'd be doing this by yourself every week. And no and no one wants that. So, <laughs> uh, But before we go into our review for tonight, Derek's got some shout outs. Yeah, so as always, we'd like to give a shout-out to our subscribers over on our Patreon, which you can go to at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Axeblade07, Daniel Salmon, Justin Olson, and John Jekyll. Thank you guys so much. You contribute so much to the show, you essentially keep the lights on for us. So if you want to check out all of our um, tiered reward systems, you can go over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. I think we have was it three different tiers mm-hmm. that we have and um if you we get back up to the 50 dollar level we will do an extra episode for you guys so if you love the commentaries that we did for the super mario brothers movie and the wizard <laughs> some of my personal favorites that we've ever done on this show exactly <laughs> and uh, yeah if you just get us back up to that 50 dollar level and we'll do those as bonus episodes and tonight we are going to be talking about Donkey Kong. Such peaceful music. Yeah. (laughs) 
So I was actually having a tough time deciding on what game I wanted to review for this week's show. I'd narrowed it down to two or three, but the one that stood out was a game I've actually been meaning to review for a while, and I've had fun going back and replaying it, and that is Donkey Kong 64, which is a 1999 adventure platform video game for the Nintendo 64 console and is the first in the Donkey Kong series to feature 3D gameplay. As the gorilla Donkey Kong, the player explores the theme levels of an island to collect items and rescue his kidnapped friends from King K. Rule. So this game, much like Donkey Kong Country, was developed by Rare, and I've not been shy about my love for the Rare Nintendo marriage from the 90s and even into the early 2000s. It was just a perfect marriage between studios, and they made so many great games so when this was announced i of course was excited because it had the rare name on it so i knew i was going to play it and i love the donkey kong country games i think all three are very good in their own way there are some i prefer over the others but all in all i enjoyed all three so um I think I just disappointed everybody in the chat room, especially uh, Paxter81, because I just revealed that I have never played this game. (laughs) Really? He wrote WTF. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've got some good interaction in the chat room tonight. I love it. I know. I was jumping in there tonight. Yeah. They're excited to have us back. (laughs) So this game was, um, it began development in 1997. And a lot of people who worked on uh, the Banjo-Kazooie game worked on this game as well. Uh, it It says here, and this is something that I'm going to hit on as a criticism later on. It says, Donkey Kong 64 is remembered as the emblematic example of Rare's Collect-A-Thon adventure platformers for the tedium of its collection tasks. So to kind of describe how this game works... You start off at playing as Donkey Kong, and you have to rescue members of the Kong family. That includes Diddy Kong, who everybody knows. But there are several new characters as well. There's Lanky Kong, who is an orangutan. There's Tiny Kong, who's a small, even smaller than Diddy. And you have Chunky Kong, who's... I'm trying to remember that old cartoon of like the, the really big guy, but wasn't very smart. Hmm. that's kind of how chunky kong is like he's essentially a child but is actually bigger and stronger than donkey kong Hmm. and just kind of doesn't know his own strength or whatever so donkey dong isn't in this game (laughs) uh he was actually um that was the title of the planned sequel that uh that never happened uh so it was (laughs) it was actually going to star um randall and dante yeah so last night uh, I was d- uh, doing a Google search, image search for the Donkey Kong 64 uh, cover art so I could put on the uh, on the website, and I accidentally typed in Donkey Dong, <laughs> which I'm probably on an NSA list now, so that's awesome. <laughs> so are we thinking the FBI is just going to jump you and just attack you as we're recording this? Yeah. Oh, thanks, Paxter. <laughs> I, I swear I will play this game. Uh, I just uh, this I, I don't know, man. A lot, a lot of the Nintendo sixty four stuff. I, 
I got to the Nintendo 64 late. Like, I didn't even get a Nintendo 64 until 99. And when I bought mine was the Star Wars edition for uh, that came with uh, um, <clears throat> Podracer. That was mm-hmm. the one that I that I got. It was late '99 when I got it, so I didn't very have very many games for it. I had that. I had um, I played Shadows of the Empire, played um, a lot of uh, Resident Evil Two, and and a lot of the Star Wars games I played. But I didn't I didn't play any of the Donkey Kong stuff. Oh, there are some good Star Wars games for the N64. Shadows of the Empire, Rogue Squadron. Good stuff. I wish they would do a Shadows of the Empire re-release. Oh, my God. That game's so good. Why is that not canon? That that makes me angry. It absolutely should be canon. Mm. Uh, Non-Drowsy in the chat says, Bought it for my girlfriend in 99, and he is celebrating his 17-year anniversary in four days. So Congratulations. That's awesome. Years I couldn't make it seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't made it there at all. So there we go. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, Paxter eighty one. He says he's the uh, he's the crazy Swede that made me play Fixanadu. <laughs> oh, cool. I think his name's what Nicholas. Yeah, something like that. I don't remember. Yeah, because he follows me on Instagram. I think. Yeah. How you doing, awesome. man? That was a good game. That was a good uh, suggestion. I like that game. So if you never played Fexanadu for the NES, that was actually a really good game. Mm-hmm. I liked it. But going back to Stop Donkey Kong, distracting 64. us, chat room. We're gonna we gotta start <laughs> no, doing this game. It's a good. <laughs> it's a good distraction. I, I I'm very much a fan of it. So you start off as Donkey Kong, and you go through these different worlds. Some are jungle-themed, some are ice-themed. They have good variety, which I really like. When you have platformers with a central hub world, to me, you got to have variety. You know, and Mario 64 did that extremely well, and Donkey Kong 64 follows suit with that. So you go through and you rescue the captured Kongs. Now, the issue with that is, so there are a total of six different characters, each with their own different abilities. You have to go through, if you want to beat this game 100%, you have to go through, essentially, these worlds with all six characters. Hmm. So, like, you you rescue, I think Chunky Kong's the last one you rescue. You rescue him, like, halfway through the game. Here's the question. Mm -hmm. Before I even think about playing this game, how are the controls? They're they're okay. They're not the worst game that I've ever played for the N64, but it's a game that I have a lot of sentimental value with, so I still very much enjoyed it. But the controls can be a little frustrating. Because it looks like, so it, like it tries to play a lot like... Uh... Like uh, Mario 64. Yes, it very much does. And there are some of the... There are some controls that are frustrating, like one that jumps to mind. So each characters have their own unique abilities. So when you unlock Diddy Kong, you can um, use a jetpack in certain areas. The jetpack can be a little frustrating to control. 
So it, it takes getting used to it. A lot of games to me from that era are like that. Yeah. So that that's something that you have to keep in mind. It always takes me a little while to get used to playing that controller again. Mm-hmm. So I wish they would go back and and <clears throat> you know redo some of these games and make them like better. Be, yeah, well, just to be able to use dual analog sticks with them, because man, that single analog stick is just so hard to get used to. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But we so talk you, about that you, a lot, so I digress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you go through these different worlds, you meet up with Cranky Kong, who is introduced in Donkey Kong Country. He runs a laboratory, and you can buy different potions that give you different abilities, which, of course, you have to have to progress through the game. So, for example, um, Chunky Kong can lift up rocks, that might be covering switches or hidden passageways. Tiny Kong can shrink and go through holes, which grant you access to exclusive areas. Diddy Kong has his jetpack, and Lanky Kong can float like a balloon, which is it's a it's a necessary power up. Uh, oh, one cool thing, I love that something that I love through the rare games they throw in little Easter eggs the throwback to previous games. So there's a factory world in Donkey Kong 64. And in this factory is an arcade cabinet of the original Donkey Kong. And you get to play it. Oh, that's cool. And you actually get one of the, um, an exclusive item for, um, or no, you, because you collect golden bananas throughout the game. You get a golden banana for beating it once. And then you get, a coin with the N64 logo on it if you beat it again. You also get to play the old Jetpack arcade game. I don't know if you're familiar with Jetpack, but Jetpack. It, was a, um, it was a game that Rare made back in the, the early 80s. And that's a, um, like an, a little Easter egg, too, which is really cool. I remember the name. I, don't, I can't think of the game, though. That's right. Non-Drowsy <laughs> says it, the Rare coin. That's what you get for the... Um, as like a bonus thing for beating the um, the arcade game. So when you go through but this, essentially, you you have to go through like say each each world as the different Kong characters, right? Yes. So do you go through the level and then you immediately have to go back through it again as the, as the next character, or do you complete the whole game as one character and then go back as another character? No, you have the option to switch characters. So what you do is you essentially jump into this barrel. And it gives you a menu where you can play, you can select Donkey Kong, Diddy, okay. or any of the other ones. So say the first world is a jungle world. You go through it as Donkey Kong, and there are a certain amount of golden bananas in each world. And some you can only get as certain characters, which you can check your progress through the pause menu. So does anything you do in one game, like you go through as Donkey Kong, do the things you do in that world affect the next time you go through it? Like you were saying, the one Chunky Kong can move rocks out of the way of yes. like, so if you move, use him to move a rock, is that rock going to be moved the next, it, where he moved it to the next time you go yeah. through? Oh, that's cool. Correct. Yeah. I like that. And there, and so like when you, when you go through a world, there are a lot of, you know, lot gates and whatnot, and some you can only open as certain characters. 
But say if you open a gate as Donkey Kong, you can switch to Diddy or Lanky and you go through that gate. Or if you exit and you go to another world, you can then go back. So say, like I was saying earlier with Chunky Kong, you um, you rescue him a third or halfway through the game. Well, then you go back to the the first jungle world and all the gates are already open, the ones that you know you've opened previously. Yeah. So the, the progress does save. Because that's what I liked good. about uh, like Resident Evil 2 is whatever you did in Leon's game affected Claire's game. And I felt like that was missing from the re-release that they did of Resident Evil 2. Like whatever you did in Leon's game didn't affect Claire's game anymore. Like with the original Nintendo 64 version, if you went through the first game as Leon and you took all of the the bullets every time you found bullets or you know first aid sprays and stuff like that then it wouldn't be there when claire goes through so you would yeah. strategically leave different things for the second time you went through the game but i like that when when you have a game where you go through the same levels with different characters i like that, that being able to uh, affect the world and change it for the next time that you come through and Mixmaster brings up a great point. Each character has a different color of collectible. There are a lot of collectible items in this game, from bananas to coins, so on and so forth. That's and cool. each so every character has their own designated color. So like with Donkey Kong, all of his collectibles are yellow. With Diddy Kong, they're red. I think with Lanky, they're blue. And with Tiny, they're purple, and Chunky, they're green. So you have, um, you collect a lot of stuff. And it's, it can get a bit overwhelming, especially if you want to collect every single thing. But I like that aspect because it gives you something extra to do. Instead of just progressing through, fighting the bosses, and then, you know, you eventually fight King K. Rule. So you, there, there's a lot to do in this game. And reading about the the reception of it, because I, I remember, I felt like it was kind of mixed when it first came out, because a lot of people didn't like the constant collecting. Yeah. But it says here, Donkey Kong 64 received universal acclaim according to video game review Metacritic. It was the N64's top seller during the 1999 holiday season and Nintendo's chief defense against competitors Sega's introduction of its Dreamcast console. As a bestseller, Donkey Kong 64 joined Nintendo's Player's Choice game selection, where it continued to sell well through the next year's holiday season, and had sold over 2.3 million units by 2004, won 1999 E3 Game Critics Award for Best Platformer. Um, reviewers criticized or had little praise for the game's emphasis on collecting items and backtracking. They called it an interactive egg hunt. <laughs> which I, I think is a little harsh. But my, my thing is that I don't look at this as having too much to do. If you don't want to collect all the bananas or all the coins, then you don't have to. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You can just breeze kinda... through the game if you want. I mean, there's there's a lot to do because you have to do certain objectives as certain characters. And I can see how the backtracking can get kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. 
but I, I I don't necessarily mind it. It says here IGN called it Rare's version of War and Peace. <laughs> okay, which is which is funny, but I, like, I, I I disagree with it. I like collecting things in game, especially if you can I do, too. do like a one hundred percent collection of something like Bat, like the Arkham Asylum games. Like I got obsessed with that very first Arkham Asylum game with collecting all of the. Uh, the Joker, or I mean, uh, Riddler trophies. Mm-hmm. And I actually, that was the first game in my life I ever like 100% in that game. Just going through and getting all the hidden stuff, the, the Riddler trophies and all that. So I like whenever you have to collect things in a game. Well, something I like to do during this time, you know, this, this time frame, especially with Ocarina of Time. I would go through it and I would just do what I have to do and beat it. But then I would go back again yeah. and try and collect all the pieces of heart, the skull tullas, you know, heart containers, everything. And that's kind of what I did with, with Donkey Kong 64. I didn't collect everything the first time I played it. And I went through it again and made sure to get every single item. Because there, there's something about a 100% completion. Yeah. It's just great. I, I remember the only Xbox 360 game I ever got all the achievements for was Lego Star Wars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I remember getting that last achievement, and I just felt so gratified. Yeah. That's it what was happened great. when I went through Batman Arkham Asylum. I went through that entire game twice. That game was so good. Yeah. But it says here that, um, I didn't know this, it was digitally re-released on uh, the Wii U Virtual Console. So if you have a Wii U, or go pick up a Wii U, you can play this on there. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So why is it not on the Switch, Nintendo? That's probably because it's a rare game. Mm, Probably. Which is unfortunate. I really wish that those two would fully patch (laughs) things up. That'd be nice. Because you would get, there would be so many people that would get like a remastered Donkey Kong 64 or a remastered Banjo-Kazooie. I've, I've preached that one so many times, but it would do extremely, extremely well. But as far as some of the scores go, uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it a 27 out of 40. That's like a, kind of an odd number to rate it. Like rating it on a forty point scale, like I would get ten or a hundred, but forty is kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, Game fan gave it a seven out of ten. Gamespot nine out of ten. IGN nine out of ten. As far as my score goes, I would probably give it. I would give it probably an eight. You know, it's it's not the best game that Rare ever made, and I still prefer the Donkey Kong Country games to Donkey Kong 64, but I still very much enjoyed it. Well, Nintendo, it, Power, Nintendo Power said this. Uh, it gave it the best N64 game for 1999. I'd have to look and see. I'll actually Google that real quick. N64 games released in 1999. I said best and overall game, best N64 game, best adventure game, best graphics, best music, and best sound for 1999. Let's see, other games that came out for the N64 in 99, you, of course, Donkey Kong 64, Pokemon Snap, Jet Force Gemini, Mario Golf, 
Uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Got to oh, get that, that game's game. that old. <laughs> Holy I, crap! I played the hell out of that game. Oh, that game was so fun. Oh man! Wow, I'm surprised that Super Smash Brothers didn't get it because that came out in '99. I thought that was '98. Because didn't we do the 20th anniversary last year? Or was that this year? No, it came out in North America April 26, 1999. <laughs> God, we're getting old. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, overall, I would say I, I very much enjoy Donkey Kong 64. I don't agree with the hate that it gets. Is it a long game? Yes. but. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I would, to me, I would rather have a game that's a little too long than a game that's too short and I feel like I didn't get my money's worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I would very much recommend Donkey Kong 64. Uh, Mixmaster said he's never played a Tony Hawk game. Oh, Tony Hawk's great. Oh, yeah. If you, if you have an old PlayStation or PlayStation 2, you definitely owe it to yourself to go pick up the original uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. I think Pro Skater 2 was pretty good, too. I didn't play that one as much as the original one, but... But when you do, you have to get the... Uh, there's a cheat code you put in where um, you automatically... Like, when you do a rail slide, you just automatically... Uh, uh, balance out so you can rail slide for like billions of points. It's awesome because you'll never <laughs> fall ever. And the music, oh man, the music was the best for the Tony Hawk games. Oh, uh, definitely a product of that era. I should, but it was Tony great. Hawk's Pro Skater. <laughs> uh, a review of that has to happen. Yeah, it does. So what would yeah. what 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 score would you give Donkey Kong sixty four? Oh, I I would give it an eight. It's not bad. I I, I think you know it's like I was saying a few minutes ago. It, it's not. I much prefer the Donkey Kong Country games, and this probably wouldn't even make. I don't know if it would make my top five rare games list. It might be borderline top five. Yeah, but there are rare games that. I prefer to it, but I still very much enjoy it, and I I don't like the the hate that it got that it got. So well, you're not going to get much better than Donkey Kong Country and the Donkey Kong Country games for the Super Nintendo because those were just those were on a different level of yes. than everything. I mean, those games are so good. Mm-hmm. Just the way they look, like. Uh, I mean, even compared to today's standards, they still are incredible looking. The backgrounds to me are what what get me. They're gorgeous. Those games are absolutely gorgeous. Even the the newer Donkey Kong Country games for like the Wii U and the I think there's one for the Switch. It's the backgrounds are amazing. Yeah. Uh, Paxter said the best PS game is Twisted Metal. I I liked me some Twisted Metal. Didn't we were we did me and you talk about this about Twisted Metal how they should put out a uh do a an updated version of Twisted Metal but it, since we're in like this whole era of uh the what do they call them like the uh remasters? No, the the like games like um PUBG and Fortnite like the Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The 
where there's like battle royal, they should do a twisted metal battle royal game with like a hundred cars <laughs> and an arena and last man standing. That I could get into that. There will be so many sweet tooths running around. Oh yeah, it'd be all sweet tooths, <laughs> all sweet tooths, all the time. <laughs> yeah, unless you could build your own car. If you could build your own car, oh, that'd be awesome. Mixmaster says, "Perfect Dark, Golden Eye, Banjo Kazooie, and Conker's Bad Fur Day are my favorite rare games. Those are all fantastic." Yeah, I agree with Gameplayer S that Twisted Metal was basically the flagship franchise for the PS. They tried to make um. What's his name? Banjo? Not Banjo. Crash uh, Bandicoot. Crash Bandicoot. They tried to make him the mascot, but that just that did not happen. Yeah. I, and I like the Crash games, but to me, the only video game character that can somewhat hold a candle to Mario is Sonic. Oh, yeah. And that, and that is it. And that's because the games are completely different. Well, I think after this movie comes out, Sonic's going to get a, a a rebirth, get some new games, get uh, Sega back up there. Maybe, maybe even Sega will make a new console. Well, we'll see. Get back to the console market. Well, I think in the next year or so, there's the the Mario movie that's going to come out too that uh, Illumination Studios is doing. It better not be live action. <laughs> It's not. It's, no, it's, it's CG. It's going to be like this. Monkey, you blow it! <laughs> now, if, if that were to happen, that would be one that I would just get drunk off my ass and go see it. Yeah. Just I, because I, it would I'll be fun. <laughs> but, uh, but we got a couple of things we need to tell you guys about before we leave here tonight. And uh, Derek, I'll let you go ahead and start that off for us. Yeah, so I, I mentioned it a little while ago uh, earlier on the show, but this upcoming, actually, if you're listening to the audio version, uh, tomorrow on the Derek Diamond Experience, Jason will be joining me once again, along with the official fact checker of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Mr. Wally Phelps, and we will be reviewing the first two episodes of The Mandalorian, which is fan-freaking-tastic. And yes, there it's, will be spoilers. So if you haven't seen yeah, it, <laughs> not that there haven't been spoilers already. Yeah. But yes, we pretty much I, I've kind of made it known that whenever we do discussions like that on my show, there's going to be spoilers. I put the disclaimer in the title, but it, it's kind of known now that we're going to be spoiling it. Yes, exactly. We're going to be spoiling it all up and down the place because I've seen each episode three times and it's so good. <laughs> Honestly, if this is the direction that Star Wars goes in for a while, mm -hmm. I'm absolutely okay with it. I'm down with it too. I love it. I loved it from the moment the door opened to that cantina and he was standing there and it felt like I was watching the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm like, I'm in. I'm in so hard. <laughs> oh, it was so good. So good. They got me. Well, and the next thing I wanted to talk about, so I've kind of teased this on both podcasts. I had this idea. I don't remember exactly what sparked it because my memory's not that really that great. But I had the idea to do a, a film screening. It might have been, it was a couple of weeks before the Kite Film Fest. I had the idea of, you know, it would be cool to have some type of a holiday get together 
where we watch a few locally made films because I had a lot of fun, you know, when we did the showing of Servi and the Parker syndrome and Verso verdict over at uh, Sam's fun city a couple of a months ago. And I, I'll be honest. I used some connections to book us a venue. It's going to be held on December 21st here in Pensacola at perfect plane brewing company. We've got a total of six short films that we'll be showing, which includes your film, Monsters Anonymous. Yes, we've got. Uh, well, so what are all of the films that are going to be there? We're going to have Monsters Anonymous, in which me and Wally will both be there to do Q&A for yep. that. Uh, Survey, of course, Parker yep. Syndrome. Um, yep. Uh, the Verso Verdict, which Nick Smith directed. Nick Smith was uh, one of my crew members for the Parker Syndrome, and super nice guy. And he's been he's been filmmaking since the nineties, wow. so he he's got a lot of experience. And then um, a short film called Shoreline, which was directed by Jeffrey Frame, who um, I've known for a few years. He was he was on my podcast within the first year or so of me doing it anyway he is one of the main characters he cast uh jesse hartsog who played zach in the parker syndrome That's so cool. we'll be showing that and then a short film that you actually did as part of the 48 hour film mm -hmm. project uh alters alters i i still haven't even seen it yet <laughs> i was in it we'll i haven't all get, seen it <laughs> we'll all get to see it together absolutely it's gonna be a great time so if you guys want to come out to that please do and, um, I'm probably going to send out the official, well, I'm going to send everything to the filmmakers first because we do have a, um, a cap as far as how many people can be in the, in the venue. Yeah. So I want to send everything to the filmmakers so they can invite whoever they want and then we'll, you know, make it more of a public thing. Yeah. Uh, but, and the last thing, uh, I'm sorry, what you were, you were going to say something else? Oh no! It's just going to start at seven p.m. on December twenty-first, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, it's it's right before Christmas, and oh, to yeah. me, the holiday season is all about spending time with friends and family and just enjoying each other's company. So, and that's one of the other reasons why I wanted to do it. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's going to be it's good. Everybody's going to be off on Christmas break. Everybody, you know, let's all get together and have some fun and watch some cool movies and you know, hang out and and have some fun. And there will be beer. Yes, there will be beer. We uh, and get this. We will we will have our own bartender. Fantastic. Which will be great. I like that. I am not driving nice. back to the coast, so I will be staying with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have my extra room ready. Fantastic. And the last thing on uh, our docket here, Nerd Cave Retro is going to have a live show Woo! December fourteenth at the Wayward Kraken Pub in Biloxi, Mississippi. On Howard Avenue, um, it, we're gonna do uh, start. It's gonna be starting at seven seven p.m. Me and Derek are gonna do a live Nerd Cave retro at the bar, and then afterwards, after the podcast, we're going to do Drunk Mario Kart. So you have to be twenty one or older to to enjoy the the Drunk Mario Kart. But uh, there will be a prize for the ultimate winner of Drunk Mario Kart. Besides a hangover. <laughs> now, this is going to be the original Mario Kart, yes. correct? Super Nintendo Mario oh, Kart. Oh, jeez. 
It's going to be fun. And it's something yeah. that, you know, I know that you and I have talked about for a while. I mean, we do we do this show live on Twitch pretty much every week, but we've never the only show we've ever done in person together was the wizard commentary. Mm hmm. So we haven't done like a full normal show in person together, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, well, we did the the, the panel, which wasn't really a show; it was just a panel at yeah. uh, Gulf Coast Fan Fest. But this is going to be an actual episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show live at the Wayward Kraken, and uh, I'll make the event page uh, probably over the Thanksgiving holiday and uh, link it to our. Twitter and our Facebook page. So if you want to go, all the information will be there. And I think that's pretty much it for tonight. I think so. We went uh, almost an hour and 15 minutes. Woo! Time to get on up out of here. Let's yeah, play our good show, music. Though. Yes, it was. Play our music. And if you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro where you can support this show and help us get back to that $50 level where we give you the extra episodes every month so please go do that and if you can't slip us a buck a month or three bucks a month go leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are sold so Derek please tell them all what it's about I have spoken I have spoken